So I'm going to just recap again, guys. Uh, sorry about this. So as I said, the church has to lead the process of change. It starts with re-looking at our values. That's the first step. And then we need to change our mindsets, especially pertaining to finances, in the area of saving, spending wisely, handling debts, and giving. So today we are going to be speaking about borrowing, handling debts, and uh, hopefully about uh, with giving also, so that next week, which is going to be our final week together, so we can spend more time with practical uh, stuff. Uh, so, um, okay, so as I said, we've already covered the topics on honesty in earning, responsibility in spending, and today we're going to be talking about wisdom in borrowing. And um, Shepard, if you could just move to the next slide, please. Now, the stats that have been compi uh, compiled here is from 2011. Uh, so this is very, very outdated information. Things have changed, not for the better, for the worse now. So whatever you are going to be looking at now, you're going to, uh, you need to just bear in mind that uh, these are very old, uh, old stats. And then we've had COVID that has also impacted on, uh, on all, all of these stats. I think COVID made everything go like 30% of um, uh, skewed stuff. So the value of borrowing, according to this stats, more than 9.53 million people have had bad credit records. So I did mention to you that there's a credit bureau record. Every single one of you, if you are borrowing money or even if you have a service agreement. So what, uh, when we're looking at finances and we want to budget and things, uh, we need to consider whether we have a credit agreement or a service agreement you need to uh, be able to differentiate between credit agreements and service agreements. And that National Credit Act uh, deals with credit agreements. But with, with the credit bureaus, you'll find a number of our service agreements are also listed on, the credit, uh, on the our credit bureau record. So in terms of the National Credit Act, all our borrowing uh, has to be on the credit bureaus. Back in the day, before the National Credit Act was passed in, in 2007, what was happening is uh, people used to, uh, used to talk about blacklisting. So they were very scared of being blacklisted and their, uh, their perc perception of blacklisting was when a debt was written off uh, or when they were handed over for collection, then they considered themselves to be blacklisted. And I worked in the bank at that time, and people were very scared of being blacklisted. But now, it's no more, uh, that, that uh, concept of blacklisting actually doesn't exist. It's a, it's a very loosely used term. So every single one of us has a credit record. It's like our birth certificate. Uh, all the information is held in a, in a, a central database. So even with our credit, uh, with all our service agreements, all of the, those are contained on a specific database which is uh, held with the credit bureaus. There's a number of credit bureaus that are registered. And in terms of the National Credit Act, every consumer, one of the, uh, the consumer rights is to obtain the free credit bureau record. So it's important, guys, for every single one of you uh, to go periodically and obtain a free credit bureau rep uh, report to see what is on your reports, especially if you are wanting to borrow money. Before you borrow money, obtain your free credit report. It's available to you free of charge. Um, and you, uh, you are allowed to, uh, to obtain one report from each of the registered credit bureaus once a year. 
So you could very well be obtaining a credit bureau report every month on yourself from different credit bureaus. Just make sure you don't go back to the same one. And my advice to you is every single one of you that is sitting here today, go and obtain your own credit bureau report. Have a look at it because it's, it's important for you to understand what information is contained there. As I said, if you are planning on borrowing money, this is what your credit providers are going to look at and this is what is going to determine whether you are successful in borrowing that money or not. The other thing that's based on, this, on your credit bureau report is on, your credit, on that report, there's a credit score. And the credit providers look at the credit score also to see, to, to judge your risk. So there are some people who are much riskier than other people. And um, it's all not just the person themselves. They look at your, your educational background. They look at where you are living also. So all of those determine your risk and what reason you are borrowing. You, uh, you will see that if you borrow money from uh, the likes of, say, African Bank or Capitec Bank, you could make an application to Capitec Bank, African Bank, FNB, NetBank. The chances of you getting your, your finance approved by ne uh, African Bank and uh, Capitec Bank is much higher than with FNB. Uh, because they look at risk in, in, in different ways. FNB and NetBank, the commercial banks, n normally lend out to, to lower risk consumers, whereas the micro lenders lend out to the higher risk consumers. Now, with the higher risk consumers, because the risk is higher to the bank, what do they do? The fees are higher, the interest rate is higher. So you find if you're borrowing money from a micro lender, chances are your interest rates are a few percentage, maybe 5%, maybe even 10% higher than if you went and borrowed from a commercial bank. But on the commercial bank side, it's going to be more difficult for you to get that loan because their criteria is much, they, they have uh, much uh, more difficult criteria that they will apply to that application. And I did mention to you, I think it was last week about mortgage bonds. We, uh, I mean, if you are buying a house in a rural area, uh, you can apply to the bank to get a, a mortgage bond. Um, now, a mortgage bond is a secured debt. Now, if you are thinking of borrowing, you need to also assess. Uh, firstly, pray about it. <laughs> As Christians, we pray about it before we borrow money. And then you've got to do some research to see the reason why you are borrowing. And borrow from the financial institution that you, uh, where you know you're going to get it uh, uh, at a much cheaper rate. I mean, even 1%. On, on a mortgage bond, is, is, uh, uh, you know, it equates to quite a bit of money. Since November 2021, the interest rates have been going, uh, going up steadily. In 2021, the repo rate was 3.5%. Currently, the repo rate is 8.25%. Now, the banks, uh, the banks actually, the repo rate, we need to also understand the difference between a repo rate and prime rate. Repo rate is what the reserve bank sets, and they lend to commercial banks at the repo rate, which, as I said, was 3.5%, now it's 8.25%. 8 every, every two months, the reserve bank, they, they meet, and they discuss interest rates, and they decide whether they're going to increase, decrease, or leave it as it is. And from November 2021, interest rates have been steadily increasing. Uh, and as I said, now it's come up. The, the last two sittings, uh, were the only two sittings where interest rates remained as it is. So now for, for I think it is 
five months that the, uh, the repo rate is sitting at 8.25%. There's talk now, the next sitting is in November. Um, and uh, there's, if you look at the paper, you look at the news and things, there's speculation that the interest rate might go up again. And that's going to be murder, especially when we look at the cost of living. I mean, imagine the person who bought a house in 2021. Um, normally with, with a mortgage bond, and I, I got sidetracked, I was talking about mortgage bond, the interest rates on mortgage bonds, so, uh, sorry, back to repo rate and prime rate. So repo rate is, as I said, the rate at which the Reserve Bank lends money to commercial banks. The commercial banks in turn lend money to you. And they charge repo, uh, well, they charge, uh, their interest rate is based on prime interest rates. And prime interest rate is normally 3.5% three, three higher than the, uh, the repo rate. So at that time when, when the repo rate was 3.5%, uh, um, uh, the prime rate was 7% per annum. And then the bank adds on the interest. So it, they, they will quote an interest at prime plus 3% or prime plus 10%. So that 10% or 3% is added on to that prime rate. So uh, you need to now bear in mind, take into consideration what the economic uh, conditions are when you're thinking of borrowing money and, uh, and see whether that uh, you have to at that time, is it absolutely essential for me to borrow? If a person bought a house in, uh, say in June 2021, and the repo rate was, as I said, uh, three and a half, prime was 7%, 7% and the bank said, okay, I'm going to give you this loan to purchase this property at uh, prime plus 3%. That would have been 10%. Now that same, on that same loan, the person is paying 10.25 plus 3%, which is 13.25% uh, on that same loan. So it's, it's gone up. And you can imagine uh, mortgage bonds there, I mean, your capital is quite, quite high. And on, on a million rand, 1% interest is quite, uh, quite a, a lot of money you're looking at. Um, and then again, the different types of loans have different interest rates. A mortgage one, they might say prime plus uh, 5%. On uh, a personal loan, it might be prime plus 12% uh, on uh, a personal loan. So, uh, so that is very, very high. And then as I said, where the risk is higher, the interest rates are higher. They're making so much noise here. Mortgage loans are secured, yes. Um, so there, there, there is a bond passed, uh, a, a mortgage bond. If you default with your payments, then the bank will repossess your house. That is the reason why your mortgage interest rates are lower. And as I said, in my observation now, if in, a, in the urban area, you can get a mortgage bond. But in the rural areas, you can't apply for a mortgage bond. And the reason for that we established last week, uh, for those of you who were here, is because the properties in the urban area, uh, in the rural areas, is owned by the chief. There's no title deeds to these properties, so these poor people are borrowing money to uh, to improve their houses, to build houses, to extend houses. They they're going to African Bank and Capitec Bank. They're going to Direct Active, uh, so they're going to the micro lenders and they are borrowing the money from them, at prime plus maybe 10%, maybe 15% per annum. Now, the, in terms of the National Credit Act also, the maximum interest rates and fees are also capped by, by the 
um, uh, in, 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 as I said, in terms of the National Credit Act. So by law, a credit provider cannot charge over a certain amount. But that doesn't mean that they can't charge less than that amount. But most, most credit providers, as I said last week, they are businesses, they're there to make profit. They're going to want to try and make as much money out of you as possible. And then they look at their risk, the higher their risk, the higher the fees and the charges. So with secured debts, as I said, the risk is much lower because if you default with that, they will re repossess. And secured debts mainly are houses and cars. So you'll find the interest rates on houses and cars are much lower. Now, when uh, uh, back in, in 2021, if a person came to me and applied for debt review, now there's certain criteria we have to apply um, wh when we are trying to reduce installments. And as I mentioned to you, with debt review, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's available for people who are over-indebted. Over-indebted means that they are struggling to make ends meet every month. They cannot pay all of their debts. They're borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. So if you are unable to, uh, you have, well I said we must have a budget. You must be able to stick to your budget. And in terms of your budget, you have to make sure that you are not spending more than you are earning. So your expenses must always be lower than your income. But the reality is with the rising cost of living, we find that so quickly uh, our expenses are going up and our income is not going up in, in line with our expenses. Right now you can see interest rates have gone up even by 5% over the last two years. Has, has um, the, the salary increases gone up? Is it in keeping? Uh, we got ESCOM, we, uh, we got the load shedding that's also impacting. The price of fuel is going up. The price of food is going up. So everything is going up, but our salaries are not going up in, in line with, the, uh, uh, with everything else, our expenses. So people are now more and more reaching the stage of over-indebtedness. And the good thing is that in our government, we've got debt counseling, which is part of the National Credit Act. It's a consumer right. Consumers are actually encouraged to apply for debt review if they are struggling financially, if they are over-indebted, if they find that they are not able to meet all of their expenses, all of their commitments on a monthly basis. So, as I said, uh, with debt counseling, uh, we reduce interest rates, we, uh, we reduce service fees, we extend the repayment uh, period of the loan. And um, with a bond and a motor vehicle, we actually are allowed to reduce interest rates to, uh, to repo plus 2%. So this is even lower than what the banks are borrowing, uh, are lending to consumers. Uh, so, so the banks have agreed to this because of the need. It's, it's a need, but the sad thing is that out in the credit industry, there are lots of rogues. There are lots of chances, and you have to be so careful about who you are dealing with. Even financial advisors, as I mentioned to you, please make sure you're dealing with a reputable company. You know, there are laws in place, and a number of people we know in our country, it's, it's rotten. There's so much of corruption. So people are not uh, adhering to the law. They're violating the law. And the same in every business. You've got it in the police force. You've got it in the credit industry. Credit providers are not uh, uh, violating the act, the National Credit Act. The National Credit Act is there to, to protect both the consumers and the credit providers. They're there to regulate credit. They're there to also make credit available to all, even the previously disadvantaged communities. Now, we, we know in our country that we had uh, huge discrepancies or uh, disparities between the different uh, uh, people, uh, different race groups, uh, economic statuses and things. So, um, and, and as I said, 
Now with mortgage bonds too, if you're living in a rural area, you, uh, you're going to be able to buy your house and pay a much lower interest rate than if you are, uh, sorry, if you're in an urban area, you're going to be able to pay much, uh, uh, much lower interest rates. It's not ideal though to borrow money, but it is a reality that every now and then we need to borrow money, especially if, if it is to buy a house or a car. So when you want uh, making a borrowing decision, you need to assess why you are wanting to borrow money. Uh, and as I said, if it is for some something that is going to actually uh, add value to your life, like like a house, a car, it gives you protection, but also it appreciates in value. I mean, a, a house will appreciate in value. Car, you have a car, uh, you. You should be comfortable spending money on the car or, or borrowing money to uh, repay that that loan off with interest because it enables you to go to work and back, and it uh, it's convenient. So you're earning money. So it's it's an asset to you also uh, to open up a business. Maybe uh, you know weigh your pros and cons and see whether uh, whether it's a good idea to borrow that money or should you rather save that money. You want to go and buy yourself a pair of shoes? Are you going to go? If does it make sense for you to go and use your credit card and buy a uh, pair of shoes, spend a thousand rand on on your credit card budget account, or does it make sense for you to save money, save that thousand rand, and buy that uh, that pair of shoes uh, uh, cash? So it's a decision that we need to make, and we need to make a borrowing decision wisely. So I would say the most important thing uh, to uh, to look at before you borrow is why are you borrowing? Is it your, your, your last resort? Wherever possible, guys, save the money. When you save money, you can also get discounts. You can also negotiate. Uh, some people uh, buy stuff on lay-by also. Now, lay-by is also a, a good way of buying, uh, buying stuff, but you don't get the stuff until you've, you've finished paying for the stuff. As I mentioned, I think, in our fir first session, I mean, those of us who have all these houses and cars, fancy houses, fancy cars, but we're owing on, on all of these things. Who owns these things? If it, is it me, if I've got that, or is it the bank? We are, we are owned by the bank when we have all of these things. So our aim, and if you're owned by the bank, you're a slave. We are all enslaved by debt. So that's another thing we must take into consideration. Do I really want to borrow? Is this going to make me a slave, or is it going to set me free? If it's a house, yes, it's setting me free because I've got my own security. I've got the roof over my head. A car is setting me free. I'm not dependent on something else. But th the sad thing is people are actually using their credit cards to buy groceries, uh, which is not, it's not a bad thing if you use your credit card to buy groceries because it is convenient and it is safe for you to use it. But, but you, we also need to be sharp. God has not, as I said, God has not given us a spirit of timidity or stupidity, I would say, but sound mind. So we need to understand the product. Now, especially with a credit card, we can actually use your, uh, you can use your credit card in, in, in a very sensible and clever way where you're using the bank's money and, and not paying the bank. So look at that product. Is it the right product for you when you are borrowing? Uh, when you're borrowing also, there's credit, um, uh, credit transactions and there's credit facilities. So if you want to borrow money to buy a TV, it will be a transaction. Uh, you're not, uh, don't go and use your credit card budget account to buy a TV. You'd rather go for the transaction because 
there again, the, the type because of the type of account, the interest rate is slightly lower. Uh, with the credit uh, facility, it's fluctuating. So you might be have a credit card with a limit of 30,000 rand. You don't have to use that whole 30,000 rand. So what I do is I have a budget. Assuming my groceries budget is 5,000 rand a month or, or 3,000 rand. Now, now it's much less because I'm single. So 3,000 rand a month is my grocery budget. I will go and use my credit card and I'll buy my groceries. I'll use my credit card when I I'll swipe and buy my groceries on my credit card. But you, you'll receive a statement and your statement will tell you when your, your due date is. Now, if you look at your statement, you'll see the bank is only going to want, want you to pay back 5% of that amount on that due date. And they actually encourage you to pay back 5% on that amount because for the first 55, up to 55 days, uh, you, you don't get charged interest. But after the 55-day period, you start getting charged interest on, that, uh, on, on the money that you're owing to the bank. So even though they gave you 55 days credit, you pay off 5%, you still got... 95% to pay back, on that 95% you're getting charged a much higher interest rate. As I said, uh, you know, look at the type of facility. It's a, it, it's a credit uh, facility. You're going to get charged much higher interest rate. And then what happens? You get into this trap because the first month you go and buy for 3,000 rand. You only pay back 5% of that amount, which is, uh, what's it, 150 rand. Uh, and you're still owing, how much is it, 2,850, is it? And then the next month you go and spend another 3,000 rand. Now you're owing 5,850 and the next month it goes higher and higher. And now the bank, and you pay back only 5% and the bank is charging you interest on the rest. If you pay a day late, they charge you a huge penalty interest. Guys, examine your statements. Every loan that you have, you must be receiving statements. That's also in terms of the National Credit Act. They have to give you a loan, uh, a, a statement. So if you're not receiving statements from the bank, please go and ask them for statements. Look at your, your, your accounts, especially for your loans. Also, look at, uh, look at your transactional account. Last week we mentioned transactional account, your, your money that, uh, your account that you use for your salary and to buy goods and pay for, uh, for goods is usually referred to as a transactional account. There's different types of transactional accounts. Last week I mentioned to you also, have a look at that. Is that the best account for you, best type of account? A number of these accounts is just based on prestige. They will come to you and say, hey, you qualify for a, for a platinum account. And you flash, uh, flash out this uh, platinum card or this black card and people around you, your mates are looking at that and say, hey, this is a, a big deal, they've got this black card. Whereas this other person who's got a little blue card, uh, they low down there. And we measure, our identity is now found in the type of bank account we have, what color card we, uh, we are uh, flashing out when we go out with our friends. And for many people now, because society has, the values have are so skewed, that is important for, uh, for a number of people. Uh, you know, they want to go out there and flash these, these wonderful cards that show that I am a big deal, uh, you know. This shows um, my status, our status is actually in that. So guys, look at it because you perform the same, uh, all of these accounts perform the same function. So we need to be wise when it comes to that. You can do all those same transactions on a blue card or on a platinum card or a black card, uh, private banks, uh, uh, clients. The, the only difference is the perceived status and also the cost to these, uh, of these accounts. The bank is making money out of you, so, so make sure that you have a look at that and you make sure that you, uh, you are spending uh, your, 
that, that you've got the right account for you. It has to be the right fit. Go around and shop, shop around. Now, when you're borrowing money, you have to give the bank certain information. And uh, in terms of the National Credit Act, there's certain information you have to provide to the bank, and the bank has to provide you with certain information also. One of the uh, lots of information that a bank has to provide you with is a pre-agreement or a quotation. Doesn't matter what type of loan you're applying for, they will give you a pre-agreement with a quotation, and they're supposed to, th that agreement is supposed to also contain the total cost of credit. Now, if you're talking about cost of credit, you need to understand what does that mean? How many of you know what cost of credit means? What, what makes up the cost of credit? So you're borrowing money, and it is what it's going to cost you at the end of the day. And on these agreements, they have to actually give you the total cost of credit over the period that you're borrowing the money for. So if you're taking a 10,000 Rand loan over five years, the bank has to give you this workout what it's going to cost you over the five-year period, and it's contained in your pre-agreement or quotation. And so up front, you can see I'm borrowing 10,000 Rand. At the end of the day, I'm going to be paying 18,000 Rand, for example. It's there in front of you right at the outset, so have a look at that and decide whether this is a good decision or not. And five days, yeah. You have five days. So this pre-agreement is valid for five days. Guys, this is in terms of the act. But most of us don't understand the process because you go into the bank, you want to bo you borrow money. They want you to sign the deal then and there. They will give you the maximum. You go there for a loan of 10,000 Rand, they're going to check your credit score. They're going to do whatever, uh, you know, go through your credit bureau report, and they're going to encourage you, no, no, you know what, you qualify for 50,000. Uh, why don't you take the 50,000? And many people go for that. They go in with the intention of buying ten th uh, borrowing 10,000, but they uh, come out actually signing up for 50,000. And then the bank will tell you, you don't need to use the whole 50,000 also. They'll use it eventually, yes. And slowly, you might go there with the intention of never. I worked in the bank for 30 years. As a single parent, this was my experience also. I had a credit card. God knows how many times I settled my credit card and telling myself I will never borrow money again. I will never use that money again. And a few months later, I'm gone back there to that ceiling. I'm sitting at that ceiling amount. And then something will happen. I'll struggle and struggle and struggle. And it's costing. You look at the interest you are paying. I mean, as a single parent, if I count how much interest I had uh, paid, because I, I had felt I had no option but to borrow money. I had three children. And we find ourselves in, the, in this situation. Some of us find, it, find ourselves in the situation uh, because we, we made bad decisions. But for some people, it's not bad decisions. It's just life, what life does to you. And you find yourself in this position. But you, we have to break that cycle, especially with borrowing. We have to break that, that debt cycle because it's a trap and it just goes worse. It spirals out of control, literally. And we become slaves. We become slaves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, Sandy, it takes discipline. You, we have to be really disciplined in order not to just go and use that money up. As I said, with the credit card now, for me, I've learned now, and God has made it possible for me to do this, is I'll go and use the card, I'll spend 3,000 rand a month on groceries on it, 
But on the day that payment is due, I pay that whole 3,000 rand. I pay the entire bill. I'd get charged only that monthly service fee on that account. I don't pay any interest, but I'm using the bank's account uh, money for more than a month in most cases. So guys, my advice to you is, yes, a credit card is good. It's good, it's convenient, it's easy to use, it's quite safe. Use it, but pay it off every month at the end of every month. Don't buy groceries on credit. Don't use credit to pay for your day-to-day -day expenses. Um, and very often we get into this trap where we are buying groceries on credit. Imagine buying groceries for 3,000 rand and paying it off over 20, uh, 20 months, 5% every month. Every month doing that, and this cycle will never, never end. That cycle is just continues and continues. So for us here, and teach your children, teach your friends, teach your family to do this. If you have a credit card, a credit card is so easy to abuse, but it's also such a good tool to use. So use your credit card, make out your budget. Your budget says you've got 3,000 rand a month to spend on your groceries. By all means, go and spend that 3,000 rand. Use your credit card to, to buy your groceries. At the end of the month, in your budget, it says 3,000 rand for groceries. Go and pay that 3,000 rand into your credit card. You're paying for your groceries. And, and the same with, with everything else. Now, sometimes you have to use, uh, we find ourselves in a position that you have to use your budget account. Now, that's part of your credit card. They have a straight account and they have a budget account. Budget account, you might have find that your fridge broke down and, and you have to go and buy your fridge today. You don't have the money, you go and put it on budget. The interest is a little higher, but it's separated from your straight account. So you still can buy your groceries and pay off your, your groceries every month. Your budget you're going to pay over. If you took it over six months or 12 months or whatever, you can pay it over. But also with all your loans, including your credit facilities and your budget facilities, if you can pay it off sooner, by all means, please go and pay it off sooner because you'll be saving interest. I think you mentioned something about being charged. Uh, uh, Louise, you spoke about somebody having been charged interest when they settle their account. So if you borrow money, in terms of the act also, when you borrow money, you pay interest only for the period that you are used, uh, that, uh, that you owing that money. So if you took a 10,000 rand loan over three years and you settle that, uh, that loan off uh, in three months' time, you're not going to pay interest for three years. The bank can't charge you interest for three years. They have to charge you interest for the three months that you use the money only. Uh, normally, interest is also calculated on your daily balance. It's debited to your account every, uh, every month, at the end of every month. But then you have HP agreements. Now, with HP agreements, when you buy a car, they calculate interest. The, the whole agreement is different from the normal credit agreements, so like a personal loan. If you buy a car, they add on your interest. So you're buying a car over five years, they add your interest for the whole five years, and they work out on your uh, original agreement. They work your installments out based on that, so you, the, uh, you bought a car for 100,000 rand, the interest over the five year period is 50,000 rand, they'll work the installments out over 150,000 rand. So over that five years, you'll pay X amount every month, in five years time that debt is settled. But if you decide to settle that car in three months time, or, or three years time, they can't charge you that interest, they'll give you a settlement balance which is less than what your statement shows you that you are owing. So you need to know, you need to look at your statements. There's just so much that uh, we can talk about in, when it comes to loans. And guys, y'all, please feel free to ask questions or, um, uh, because I'll never be able to cover everything. As I said, this is information or knowledge that I have accumulated over like 30 years. 
um, and this is my field. Now, if you are an IT person like, uh, like Shepard is, I don't know what he does. Uh, you know, I can never, uh, in, in one hour, I can never sit with him and he'll t uh, teach me everything that he knows about IT. Any more than if you are sitting with me, you're in your own field, you're a teacher or whatever, you, you do things differently. Uh, I mean, your, your field is different from my field. And as I said, I've got this experience, it's more, it's actually 40, 43 years experience I've got in this financial field. 30 years in the bank and almost 15 years as a, as a growth counselor. So please ask questions and there, there's so many things, uh, ways we can look at like making, to make smart decisions, especially financial decisions. As I said, think about why you're borrowing, make out a budget, when you're making out your budget, Make sure that you uh, identify between your needs and your wants. Set yourself goals, short-term, medium-term, long-term goals. And based on your goals, your, your, your budget will also take the, your goals into consideration. Your aim should be to try and accumulate an emergency fund. That's where uh, we want to be. Then, then we can rest in peace. When something happens, uh, you don't want to have to borrow money. So with your budget, that's the most important document, guys. If you can get yourself into the habit of making out a budget, sticking to your budget, include savings in your budget. 10%, at, at least 10% savings, 10% hiding, 10% for giving away, and then 70% is for your spending. So when you are doing your budget, I would advise you to work it out in this way. Uh, if you're earning, whatever you're earning is it's percentage-wise. So on your budget, allocate 10% for saving. Allocate 10% for, for your tithing, 10% for, uh, uh, for giving away. And then that remaining 70% you can allocate towards your living expenses. And then reassess your budget. Look at it at the end of every month. You might find in one area you spend extra. In another area you, you spend less. Then you're going to have to tweak your budget also. And then I know it's difficult to save money if you are owing money. But the aim is to try and save, even if you can't save 10%, guys, go and save 2%. Start somewhere. Start saving, and slowly you will get there. It, I, I can't stand here and say, you know what, prioritize and save money and owe money and, and not pay your debts. No. The first thing you have to do is pay your debts. You have to pay your debts because you have a legally binding contract with the, the company that you borrowed the money from. So don't ever not pay your debts because in terms of the act, there's dire consequences for you not paying and it costs you also. Your credit bureau record also, uh, uh, you know, it impacts on your credit bureau report if you don't pay your debts. You have to pay your full payment due at the end of every month, otherwise it impacts on your credit bureau report. So that's why I'm saying, guys, please go and obtain your free credit report. If you, any one of you wants me to do a, a credit report for you, I'm happy to do it for you, but I would advise you, please go and try and get your free credit report first. Uh, but for those of you who are struggling, uh, now with the free credit report also, there's uh, not any Tom, Dick and Harry can get your information. It's private and confidential. So a lot of this, now the laws protect us also. So um, you, you, you can get it, you can go online, Google free credit report, you'll find that all these credit bureaus, they are companies, as I said, they are businesses, they want to make money out of you. They're going to want you to sign up for some, uh, some service. Uh, and the free credit report will be the actual small print. So look out for the small print, obtain, go and click only on the free credit report. 
and uh, obtain your, your free credit report. Um, as I said, when they try to sell you other products and services, don't please don't click on those buttons. And um, you have to go through a security verification process when you are uh, when you are applying for your credit report. There are chances are that you might fail the security verification process. It's not the end of the world. If that happens, contact the credit bureau on the on your. Uh, uh, PC, you will have the contact details. You'll need to send them a copy of your ID and the, your proof of address. Um, once you, s you email it to them or scan it to them, whatever it is, you send it to the company, the same credit bureau, and then I would advise you to phone them and tell them, hey, I tried to obtain my credit bureau report. I was unsuccessful. Here's a copy of my ID and my uh, proof of address. Please send me this uh, the credit bureau report. You can phone them and you can email them also and ask them for this. Within 48 hours, you should obtain your uh, credit report. Have a look at it. If there's something there, so uh, another reason to look at your credit bureau report is to just verify that everything there, your information firstly is correct, and all the accounts that are there are your accounts because we know what's happening in our country. There's identity theft that takes place also. So if even if it is just to check the I for identity theft, guys, Advise everybody that you care about to go and obtain the free credit report. It, uh, at least once once a year, but I would say, you know what, go to four different credit bureaus, do it on a quarterly basis from different uh, credit bureaus. Go and obtain your report, and, and if you see something there that is worrying, if you find that you are struggling to pay your debts every month, you, uh, you, you are struggling. There's a problem. Don't bury your head in the sand and act like the problem will go away. You have to take some sort of action. So uh, be proactive. We haven't actually moved uh, moved much here. <laughs> yeah, but there's I don't think there's much more that we can speak about here. If you owe okay, money, why have such... So, uh, guys, you can think about this. What are examples of wise borrowings? And from whom is it sensible if you to owe borrow? What are some of the benefits of being wise when it comes to money? And what are some of the consequences of unwise borrowing? Think about that. That's your homework for today. And use your head before getting into debt. So wisdom can help us from making bad debt decisions. And when we use sound judgment and learn from our experiences and those of others, it becomes easier to not get into bad debt. So we need to also be able to identify the different types of debts, good debts and bad debts. Now, most companies um, and even businesses, they talk about bad debt, but when they are referring to bad debt, they're actually speaking about the money that they know they're not going to get back. Um, uh, usually companies, even, even all the credit providers, the banks, they have a bad debt provision that they make, uh, knowing that we're lending out, a certain percentage of what we are lending out, we're not going to get back. That's considered to be bad debt. But when I'm talking to you about bad debt, I'm talking about you borrowing money, which ones are, 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 are a no-go. And as I said, borrowing money for day-to-day -day expenses is a very, very bad debt. Borrowing money to show off is a very bad idea. Borrowing money for booze and for entertainment, very bad idea. Uh, to impress others, very bad idea. Instant gratification, very bad idea. House, car, I would say good idea. Education, good idea. 
And this is the reason why we need to check our credit bureau report also for those who find that there's some, some area in the credit bureau report that's not nice. Work on improving it. It can be improved because when you want to borrow this money to send your son or your daughter to varsity and you want to borrow money, you need to have a clear credit bureau report. You have to have a good credit bureau report. You have to have a good credit score. Otherwise, you are going to be doing your child a disservice. So guys, it's very important for us as parents to make sure that we have a good credit bureau report because you don't know when. You're going to want to buy a house. You're going to want to buy a car. Um, and uh, as long as your credit bureau report is good, you'll be able to get that loan approved and you'll get good prices. Uh, you know, your interest rate is not going to be very high. Your service fees are not going to be very high. Loyalty. I mean, banks, all the banks are the same. But you need to check how great your customers are. And I'm not saying it's common sense. Um, so please pop up. You don't have to pop up if you already, if you already did it. Like, like, as I said, for me, it is my children. When my children threw the nest, I found that my life insurance wasn't, I didn't need, have the same needs in terms of life insurance. So, so look at your situation.
offered the services, um, but they they are doing it as third parties. Yeah, as third party service providers. Then there's the I talked to you about the National Service Act. Um, there's a website, the Na NCR's website. The whole National Service Act is overseen by the National Service Regulator. There is a website, ncr.org.za is their website. Go onto that website, all the credit bureaus are there, all the registered legitimate uh, service providers are on the NCR's website. So. government website so you can go in all the registered credit bureaus are on there registered debt counselors are on there registered credit providers are on there so there are a number of illegitimate or illegal uh, credit providers nobody is supposed to be borrowing uh, lending money out unless they are registered with the national credit regulator every single credit provider has to be registered with the with the National Credit Regulator. So you'll find the information on, on the website, on the NCR's website, and they will have a unique registration number. It will be NCR. All the registration numbers start with NCR in this credit industry. So if it's a credit provider, it will be NCR CP, and they'll have a certain number. Debt counselors will NCR DC, and they'll have a unique number. The credit bureaus is CB, NCR CB, and a unique number. I think there's like 28 credit bureaus that are registered, but there's a few popular ones. As I said, TransUnion, um, Experian, CompuScan, XDS, those are the common ones. But also, if you go onto the NCR's website, they'll give you uh, the details of all of these credit bureaus and credit providers. So even with debt counselors, if, if you know somebody who wants to go under debt review, ask them to go onto the NCR's website to see whether that person is registered as a, as a, uh, as a debt counselor. Now, the other thing to note is that debt counseling is not companies. Companies actually don't do debt counseling, even though we find companies advertising debt counseling. It's individuals who are the actual debt counselors. So please warn people, they must be very careful because when companies are advertising debt counseling, they are not the ones that are responsible for what happens to that consumer. It's that individual, it's only individuals who can offer debt counseling. So you'll find all these huge companies, debt busters and, um, oh, uh, what's the other ones? Pinnacle. Pinnacle is not a debt counseling, uh, not debt counselors. They actually do insolvency. They advertise extensively on, on East Coast radio. Be careful, be careful, they are not debt counselors. What they do is more insolvency. Yeah, any other questions?
amount of money to your child. So you need to be very careful around cost, right? You know, a lot of people think that, you know, that the value of the child that they pay for, you drive it up and it's 20% less than the price. Two other uh, things you need to note when you're buying a car is when you drive out of there, if you're financing the car, you have to have comprehensive insurance on that vehicle and keep it going. Um, and the other thing is when you're actually entering into the agreement, a number of people purchase vehicles with a residual or a balloon payment. Um, yeah, that is just to, just all that uh, that's achieved in, uh, by buying a car with a residual or balloon payment is your installments are lowered, but your costs are much, much higher because all the fees and charges and interest is based on the, on the full value. And a number of these dealerships, they are selling cars uh, or they're granting loans with a residual value. Now with the residual value, there, there's residual and there's balloon payments also. There's, uh, it's two different types of, uh, of loans that they give. So with the, uh, and, uh, the other thing I needed to point out is if a, a bank repossesses your car, and uh, or your house. If there's a shortfall, you're still liable for those because a number of people say, hey, I'm, I'm way in over my head, you know what, I'm just giving this car back or I'm giving this house back or whatever it is, when they're really struggling and it happens. And uh, people think that's the end of the story. It's not the end of the story because the bank will sell it at, uh, sell your asset, whatever price they sell it at, if there is a shortfall, you're still going to be uh, liable for the shortfall. With residual and balloon payments also, it means that you, borrow, uh, you buy a car, the price is 150000 uh, With all the prior costs and things, interest and things added on, it comes to 200000 You can't afford to repay the installments on the 200000 but uh, in terms of your affordability, you can only afford to repay installments. And as I said, the NCA also stipulates what the banks can do and what they can't do. If, you, uh, if your affordability is not enough, they can't give you that loan. So they could decline your your loan application because they'll say affordability is not there, you don't have sufficient affordability. So in this example I was giving you, assuming the, the total cost with the, of the car is 200,000 and there's no affordability, and they just, uh, you, you can afford to pay back a loan of 150,000. They'll give you a loan of 150,000, but 50,000 will be the residual value or balloon payment. The difference between residual and balloon payment is who's carrying the risk. Because at the end of the term, so assuming you borrowed the car for five years, at the end of fi the five years, that 150,000 loan will be uh, settled, should be settled as long as you're adhering to the arrangement, but you're still owing the 50,000. You have an option of either returning, giving the car back to the, uh, to the dealership, and they will sell it on your behalf, or you can sell it, or you can trade that uh, that vehicle in and they'll deduct that ma money from the trading in, you're purchasing another vehicle. So you're in the cycle, you're in that trap already. But if you gave the car back to the dealership and they sold that car for 30,000, you're still liable for the 20,000 shortfall. Uh, th that is with the balloon payment, you're, you're still liable for the shortfall, but with the residual, the bank carries the risk. So you give the car back to them and they, you're not owing them uh, anything, irrespective of what uh, uh, what the bank does with that car. It doesn't matter. So there's the dealership won't talk to you about residual value and, and balloon payment. You need to speak to them about it. But also, because of the risk 
obviously the interest rate will be higher on the residual than, than the balloon payment uh, vehicle. So those are just things that you, you pick up here, you know, but they d people don't talk to you about this. insurance is another thing you look at um, and and it is optional with uh, with some of the most loans but uh, yeah even with the vehicle it's an optional thing they can't force it on you but the likes of all these micro lenders they were making money off the of thing is I would have been more thankful than you um, oh no 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 sorry I lied I, that was with my insurance but I had a fight with the first bank because they wanted me to they I had said to them I said to my broker please send me some emails or talk to them to say listen I've got a foreign broker and they were fighting with me about it and I said listen I do have insurance on the shelf they wanted to charge me extra on top of the interest rate yeah I've noticed that West Bank does that if you don't give them proof that your vehicle is comprehensively insured they will uh, take their own insurance and they'll debit your vehicle account with the premium they even do that with my clients, clients that apply for debt review. One of the first things our clients stop doing is paying for their installment uh, insurances. And you are expected to provide them with proof of cover every year. So it's advisable because it's a short-term insurance. Every year it gets uh, renewed. Um, the, the values also change every year. And as Louis said, have, have your policy reviewed every year. So phone the insurance company, ask them, what's the value of the car? What's the resale rate now? Because every year they're going to carry on putting it up by their percentage, whatever it is, whether it's 10% or 15%. And at some stage you're going to find that what you, are the, what you are paying on is actually not what you're going to get back if something happens to your car. So, so you need to keep on top of it. When you borrow a car and you fix the term payment, maybe say I will pay 5,000 a month. But you find maybe you want to pay seven thousand a month. You you wanted to, to to change the contract, yeah, the term, there to be flexible. But you find sometimes the banks are resisting. Or I don't know That's what. You can pay extra anytime you want to. You can pay extra. You can pay extra every month, or you could put lump sums. Even with a bond, uh, you're allowed to. The the only thing is with a bond. Uh, you need to give them, if you're going to settle a bond, you need to give the bank three months notice, otherwise they'll charge you penalty interest. So even if you're selling your property, uh, as soon as you sign up, you get a, a sale agreement in place, notify the bank immediately so that by the time the whole process goes through, it's, it takes up like at least three months. Um, so those are the, it's only with mortgage bonds or large agreements that you can't settle immediately without getting charged a penalty. Every other loan in terms of the act, uh, you are allowed to settle at any time. You can pay extra, you can pay lump sums in, and you can settle. And you'll, you should only get charged interest on the outstanding balance. So you took a loan of 100000 and you paid in 50000 um, You can't get charged interest on 100000 You need to get charged interest on 50000 going forward. Father-in-law wanted to settle a note on his on his house. For some reason, the bank was trying to add extra onto it, saying that it did, uh, something like that. Because I thought they had um, done away with that division. I had a bond. 
I paid them uh, extra money into my bond. I'm paying interest on a much, much smaller amount. I haven't canceled my bond. But the bank doesn't know any better. Uh, I mean, I brought it down from, I think I was owing about 400,000. I brought it down to about 30,000. Now my interest is on 30,000. So even if I were to go, go to the bank now and say, hey, I want to uh, settle this loan, they'll charge me int uh, penalty interest on that balance of 30,000 only, not on the original bond amount. So, th so that's how, but, but if you want to keep, uh, most of the banks also have this excess bond facilities now. So you don't have to really cancel your bond because canceling the bond also there's a cost involved. Um, because even though you've settled the, uh, the bond with the bank, uh, the, the mortgage bond is still in place. So you still got to pay attorney's costs to cancel the bond. So with bonds it is a little different. But with vehicles also, if you're settling your vehicle, make sure that you get your uh, registration certificate back from the, from the bank. You need to make arrangements to do that, and they might charge you a, a service fee to, to get that back. So any other questions on the official comments? I must say that as long as you have a good relationship with your institutions and you've been there for a long time, you know, loyalty there, and there's a relationship, and they'll always help you. Like I'm, three different banks have helped me just because I've been loyal to them, you know. So sometimes but it's not like. To them, like they are also paying back the loan for the Yeah, but they help the me. Yeah, perhaps maybe that's why. Okay, maybe because I'm paying. Yeah, maybe because I'm disciplined, but. Yeah, but true. But with NetBank, I don't bank with NetBank. I had my first car with NetBank, and when I had my car accident, same thing that you're saying about insurance. The insurance paid us. It was a shortfall. The gap cover paid, but the gap cover didn't pay everything because my car was still new. So then I went to NetBank to tell them that the gap cover didn't pay for everything and that I'll pay monthly. That lady picked up the phone. She was so mad at them. She picked up the phone. She called my gap cover company, and the next day she sends me a, a, a note to say that my car is, is paid for and that I can buy a new car. And the same thing with APSA, and that's just NetBank that I don't bank with. And with APSA, when I, when I didn't have my, my car because of an accident, I told them I had an accident, you know, this is this and this. I went to the dealership to look for a second car. All the banks rejected me, but APSA, because I've been banking with them for the past 20, okay, for the past 15 years, yes. <laughs> then they were like, okay, we'll, we'll take on this girl. And a week afterwards, the insurance company paid for everything. So they will definitely help you as long as you have a relationship with them. Even Telcom, Telcom, every single year for the past eight years, I've had a cell phone with them, renew my contract, and they don't ask me for my address details, they don't ask me for my three months bank statement, they don't ask me for anything because they know that for the past eight years I've been. So sometimes they're not like bad wolves all the time, you just have to meet them halfway. <laughs> 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 no, no, they're not bad words. Yeah. We, need, we need them, but we just need to be cautious. Okay. Um, in the instance where you've had an overdraft loan and then you thought it must have taken off the, the numbers and then they closed the account. It actually turns taxable, uh, and the, the because I actually had I had a bad account, but then I, I had a because I've been retired and my traditional bank holds it back, so I'm an equity holder, and then now um, 
definitely would be and I'm lucky about the fact you know because when I went to the bank asked them for help they told me about this account since nothing happened on this account for three years if no transactions have gone through you haven't made any payments it actually should risk life which means you're not you're, you're not required to pay it back so we we need to understand the act we need to understand the laws because there's restriction that applies to loans if the bank didn't take steps Details. Yeah, guys, it, it's important to understand prescription. It's also important to understand maximum fees and charges that banks are allowed to charge. Uh, and you're not going to know this unless you know the law. So go back and look at the law. The National Credit Act is available. Google everything. <laughs> Google everything is available to us. Or talk to somebody in that field, uh, you know, who's in that field and find out if you don't if you're finding it difficult to understand. But there are things in place. Uh, as I said, even debt counseling is, is a process that's in place by the government. It's not just we just come up here and say, hey, uh, this is a good business opportunity, although it is a good business opportunity, and a number of companies have actually seen it as a good business opportunity. That's not what I the intention was in the first place. The intention was to protect. All our laws are there to protect. So we need to understand our consumer rights also. But with rights comes responsibilities, and next week we'll talk about rights and, uh, and uh, our the, these various acts. But as I said, in our time together, this, this is just like the tip of the iceberg that we can cover. And it's good that you are asking questions because it makes it more uh, personal, and I think we learn much more if you're asking questions instead of me standing there and, and preaching away when I don't know what your, uh, your situation. So guys, I appreciate the interaction here. Is if there's any other questions, I mean, you think about something during the week also, please um, talk to me. I, I did ask about the WhatsApp group. Are, are you guys okay with having uh, the WhatsApp group? Okay, I'll, I'll have to figure out how to do a group. I'm sure I'll be able to figure it out. Okay, so we'll ma make up a group and then we can just interact. Um. Yeah, for, for specific, I mean, specifically about uh, credit-related uh, information. And, um, and also, um, maybe I would advise you to also have a look at those other two spreadsheets I spoke about for, uh, for budgeting. We've got the one that, uh, that I drew up for Drew, where we've got the different, it does its own calculations, and it tells you what's the discrepancy, shows you the areas that you need to, uh, uh, you know, where you're over your budget or whatever it is. It's... Uh, it's I've got the formulas in there, so I can email it. Uh, I can send it to you via WhatsApp or email or whatever it is, and you can look at it online and play around with it. If it works for you, if, it, uh, if it's a tool that you can use, then by all means, <laughs> go ahead and use it. Okay, there's no other questions? Okay, thank you so much, guys. Thanks for your patience. We've gone half an hour over. Thanks, Shepard.